is literal. And yet so often we talk in abstract concepts and we believe intellectual truths, but those truths don't ever seem to be realized within us. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to find his set-apart, holy, on-fire, devoted people. Because that's a life worth dying for, isn't it? That's worth laying one's life down for. There is no loss in Christ. There is only gain. We're in the winning team. (laughs) And he's on our side. I mean, once again, it's like having the best all-black and going, you're in my team? I get to play with you? You get to... As opposed to, I mean, no, you, you threaten me. Or I'm scared by you. You you show me up. Can you hear the difference? Yeah. You see, we don't have to pray, we get to pray. Yeah. We don't have to read, we get to read. Greg, you tell me that I'm invited to partake. Yeah, that's how much I like. It's not a have to. It's you serious. You're really inviting me to this. Yeah. How good does the offer get? But it's the realization of the offer which changes us. And so, Father, tonight, you've heard the prayers prayed. And I just want to pray that you would hear our heart cry to change. I pray, Lord, we would let you teach us. We would let you change us. We would let you transform us. We want to receive through revelation, Father, not tribulation. We don't want to have to go through a massive smashing to find you. We want to learn from love. We want to pursue love. We want to be addicted to love. Because as Lucas said, it's all-encompassing. You are addictive. May we be obsessed with you. In a healthy way. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Keeping the main thing, the main thing. Um, have you, everyone got one of these? If you haven't, just put your hand up and Rochelle will give you one. And then I'm just going to quickly explain what this is. Each week uh, you'll get one of these. And it's just a tool to help follow what I'm saying because I can't guarantee you I'm going to speak in the order that is on the page, but I am speaking what is on the page. And there is a flow to the order on the page. And so if you're someone who's hungry, this is like a one, two, three. There's a picture being painted of what I'm saying. There's a flow to everything. Um, But what I find more and more in my speaking is I don't follow my own flow, but it all comes together. So I may start at number five, go to one, go to two, go back to five, go to four. So I've given you this that you could take it away and go, okay, because there is, and, and everything is building upon itself. So each week there's a building block that's being put upon another block. So although God is outside of, you know, this methodology, he actually still builds on precept upon precept upon precept upon precept. So over these mornings that have been and over the nights, there are going to be pictures of building blocks that we're going to talk about. 
And so this is why I just felt the Spirit say, give people this. There are scriptures there. We'll go through. We might get through some. We might not. Um, but you can go away and do your own digging. Because self-revelation is powerful. And that is really what sets us apart. We can hear revelation but once again, what is spoken that's living needs to be revealed within. You know, it says in Thessalonians that the Thessalonians heard the gospel. Not just Jesus came and died for my sin, but the whole gospel in four elements. They heard it in word. They heard it in power. They heard it in the Holy Spirit. And they heard it in full conviction. I hope we do tonight. That we would hear what is said, not just in the words, in power, in Holy Spirit. What's full conviction? This is what it looks like. That's what a conviction of the word. The word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. The word of God, which is Jesus, is creative, dynamic. It speaks and things that are dead come to life. Things that are, that are uh, broken are whole. People that are dead get called back to life. See, the word of God is living and active. It forms, shapes, it's dynamic, it's powerful. And the Thessalonians heard the word like this. A little bit like when Peter spoke in Acts 2.37. And they heard, and the Bible says that they were pierced to their hearts. So imagine this, this word comes, it's like Mike Tyson's right hand and goes smack. And it wakens you up. And then they said, what do we need to do? He said, repent. So they did, and then got baptized. Boom, like that. Why? Because they heard the substance of God, and it came powerfully through a man, a vessel that was anointed and power, who was filled with the power of God, and when he spoke, the living word, boom, did what it's supposed to do. You know what's cool about the Thessalonians? Is that when you read 8 and 9, it says they let go of their idols and started to serve the living God. You see what the Word of God does? They were worshipping idols. And it says they let go of their idols. Why? Because they're coming alive to truth, turned, repented, and started serving the living God. So that's how we have to hear the Word. That's how it needs to be spoken with those four elements. Not just the words. Let me tell you a nice three-point message with a nice PowerPoint and a story that tickles you. The living word. So the speaker must go and be with the Lord to find out what the living word is and be in the living word to be able to communicate it like that. Which means the hearers need to be in a position to hear that word and when the speaker and the hearer and the spirit turns up and it all aligns, boom! Transformation. Because faith is what? Born through hearing the what? The word of Christ, God. So if the word of Christ is being spoken and there are ears to hear it, what is produced? Faith. What is faith? Faith is the absolute assurance of what you hope for and the conviction of things you cannot see. So faith is knowing above knowing above knowing above knowing of a hope and assurance of what? Who he is, his purposes, who you are in him, and from there you live. Is this banquet or what? And I can't wait for this to unfold more and more because, guys, I'm going to be open and I feel like this is the environment just to go and feast. 
So in a good way, I'm going to spew over you. <laughs> so get ready. Bring your, bring your Kleenex and bring your this. And hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. I'm going to release living water. Okay? I just did then. That's a powerful reality that these people turned from their idols. What are idols? Anything in our heart that are there above the Lord. How do you think you get free from trying to kill yourself? No. From receiving the living manna. Yeah? You receive living manna, you'll be free. So, there is food, he is life, he is the bread of life, he is the food of life. The more we partake of him, the more free we are. Think about it. As he comes in, whatever's there goes out. The two cannot coexist, can they? But trying to grapple it here will do nothing. Like we've talked about. You'll have a whole lot of information, but you won't be any different. So the main thing, the main thing, and every scripture that's on this bit of paper is intertwined. So everything is really one position, because God is one. And that's how we need to view his scripture, that there are scriptures galore in here, but they all point really to the same thing. So you're going to hear scriptures that might sound the same, and they are. And they're supposed to be because all the scriptures are painting a picture. Does that make sense? There is a massive picture. God is the creator and he painted the end and then he went to the beginning. So if you have sight of the end, you walk well. Make sense? Can't see where you're going, you walk around like this. Oh, what was that? That was Chris. You're tripping over stuff. It's called the blind leading the blind. Why does Paul pray? I pray the eyes of your heart would be open, enlightened to the knowledge of him, so you can see where you're going. So all those scriptures are pointing and painting a picture. Doesn't matter where I start, they all point to the same thing, which is ultimately him. How many people realize it's so easy to make the works of Christ the main thing? Rather than relationship with Christ. Too easy, Rodney says. Why? Why is it easy to make the works of Christ the main thing and not Christ himself? Fallen nature. Because of self. Any last suggestions before I move on? Wrong teaching, you can see, you can see more in the natural, very good. Results, results are quicker, aren't they? Don't have to be changed. It's a doing mindset, so it's, 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 and, and it still relates to self, but you know, if we go build a house, we can see it. Within a week, it's done. And we can actually get lustful gratification out of that work. And go, look what we did. You see, works are more natural to us. Doing is more natural than being. Because that's of the kingdom of darkness. 
The doing. We're called to do. Hear me. Called to do, but from a position and a posture of being Christ-like. It doesn't say doing Christ-like. It says being Christ-like. Like you've heard it before, we're human beings. But that position is foreign. Because our natural disposition is doing. Why? Because God put a design in us, but it was poisoned through the fall. And it must be given back to him, otherwise you will still define the doing. Did Jesus do anything that the Father didn't allow him to do? Who initiated the Father's works? Sorry, Jesus' works. The Father. From a place of being. Was Jesus in the ultimate place of being? Because he was in the ultimate place of relationship. And like we talked about this morning, if we are sons of the Son, then his position is to be ours, yes? But it's so easy to get the main thing being the works of Christ, because that's what we preach, you know? We talk about John. You'll do greater things. Yes, when I'm in a place of being. Not before. Why isn't this doing thing working for me? I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing. Man, and this guy tells me to do more, so I'm doing But I don't seem to be in the life. In fact, I'm getting frustrated, annoyed. No, because you're going the wrong way. Because being must define doing, but there are no guarantees in relationship. Are there? You enter into a marriage covenant. Are there really any guarantees? I mean, words get exchanged. And then you see if the words actually mean anything when the heat goes on. But you enter into something really without a guarantee. There's nothing tangible, although there is, if you can hear what I'm saying. So God gives us tangibles, but there are two people in the relationship. And then from his perspective, he will guarantee what he says. It's just whether we will. And so there are no set tangible results. I can build a house and see it within a week. But this relationship thing about seeking you, coming to know you, what's behind that? I can't see that. Well, I'm trying to find, I'm walking through something. Well, what's that all about? How will I even know I'm going to find it? Well, that's part of the journey. That's part of faith that's required. And the more you hear the living word, more faith is increased, which helps you go into a journey of an unknown reality and you keep the main thing the main thing. But man, it's easy just to do works and call to do works. The works that God has prepared beforehand, before you and I were even chosen, Ephesians 2.10, there were works prepared beforehand, but are we doing them from a being position? Are we in them? Because we must be in relationship to find out what those works are. But relationship takes time, Greg. I didn't know Danielle when I met her. I fell in lust with her, (laughs) but I didn't know her. I was captivated by someone who, to me, was physically attractive. I said, I want to get to know her. So the time that was invested, but there were no guarantees. I didn't know I was going to end up in marriage. I didn't know, I just wanted to go on a journey to get to know this girl that I found attractive. But no guarantees. There was no thing, but I entered into something. Why? Because I was curious, because I wanted to get to know her. Is he any different? He's very different from my wife, but... (laughs) Can you hear what I'm saying? But there's no guarantees, although from his perspective, he gives us plenty of guarantees. 
And I understand why we don't follow him, but I don't, because the guarantee is so good. Covenant that's been written in blood, demonstrated, we experience, and yet we still sort of struggle to make the main thing him rather than the works of Christ the main thing and still seem to, I don't know, limp along as opposed to being more than an overcomer who the enemy has no stronghold over because he can't because I know who I am. And I'm in the boat and I'm not at ease in the storms. Why? Because I know the one who's in the boat with me, he's in me. So the pressures of life, that's fine. Because I overcome those. Why? Because I'm more than an overcomer. Why? Because I make the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Him. And out of being in Him and Him and me, and Paul said that I want to be found in Christ. Think about that. What does that mean to be found in Christ? And Christ found in me. So yes, Jesus said, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. So the question and the challenge is, He's in me, am I abiding in him? If I am in the main thing, then there's a promise that goes with that scripture, which is after that, which will be you will bear much fruit. So there's an absolute statement of truth to you again and a promise of relationship. If you abide in me, I abide in you, so I'm in you, then guess what? There's going to be much fruit. So over a lifetime, how much fruit's coming out of us? And like I said this morning, we've got to actually be brave enough, bold enough, courageous enough, humble enough to actually answer that question. Otherwise, we will always sit outside of something that we were called to be in. So Jesus says this, come follow me. Why? Because we're going into the holy of holies. There was all this activity outside in the Old Testament where the priest would come in the outer court, but only one man a year was allowed to go in. Think about this. All the other people on the outside, one man allowed to go in. I'm speaking in the physical. You fast forward this now to our day. Where is the Holy of Holies to be? Who is now the modern day temple? Who is the building? In, coming out. But do we live as if we're still in the outer because most of our Christianity is actually still here. We're trying to figure out how you do this and how you do that and how you do this and how you do that. In fact, we read the Bible just for how-tos to figure out how you live as opposed to having this to come to know someone. And as I come to know him, guess what happens? The how-tos take care of themselves. Why? Because I'm a son and I know how sons live and I know how they act. Why? Because the master's teaching me. My father's teaching me. See the difference? One's inside out, one's outside in. I think Hillsong wrote a song about from the inside out. But relationship is tougher than works because it asks for much. But in the much, you find much. So here's a question. There's a great reason why the great commandment is the great commandment. Think about what I just said. Why is the great commandment the great commandment? 
Do you want to be a beer or do you want to be a doer? Do you want to do Christianity or do you want to be his church? See, the great commandment says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. If you're loving him with all you are, who are you not loving? Do you know the reason why we're not in this life? That we're called to be in more and more? Because we have not let the commandment define who we are. Too many followers love themselves more than they love God. Too many of us are still on the throne of our life. Hence, we don't have the life because the promise comes from loving Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So there is only two gods, Him and us. Which one rules your life? The great commandment is the great commandment because through the power of the Spirit, it will kill you and I. Because I don't exist in that. I hope you hear what I'm saying. When I read that, if I'm loving Him with all I am, He truly has all of me. There is no place for me now to do my will because I'm consumed and addicted in His will. My life is hidden in Christ. I no longer live for my life is hidden in Christ. Me and Christ are now one. So we talk about, yes, if you pray for your one, but there's oneness and then there's the maturity of oneness. There is He buys you and now there's a working out through the power of the Spirit to come into the fullness of maturity. We're claiming maturity when we're still kids. You will know maturity because it will demonstrate the reality in which it says it lives. So once again, we have to grow up and truly come into this full position that is in us, but it needs to be revealed within us so then we're able to live it out. And the great commandment is the great commandment because it will put you and I ultimately to death. That's why it's such a struggle, because you and I do not want to die. So I need something far greater to come into me for me to leave. So I do not go on a pursuit to try and make me less or kill me, because I want to live. In the physical, that's like saying, Greg, here's a gun, shoot yourself. No, I want to live. I am wired to live. So I need a greater substance called Jesus Christ to either, and this is tricky with words because you know you receive Christ, then I need either I need the fullness of what I've received to come alive, or I need more of Him. Because the Bible teaches me in Colossians that all the hidden treasures of wisdom and treasures of knowledge are found in the Christ. So if the Christ is in me and all wisdom and knowledge is found in the Christ then that's to be in me, developing in me, because that's the kingdom. So is it? So I don't really argue whether I have it and I have to come into it, or whether it's still to come. The reality is, is it there? People get in arguments about, like, I don't care. I'm looking for the reality. 
God is the God of the reality. He's the God of the tangible. He's the God that says, I came down, I died, I rose again, look, here I am. Bingo. Not this abstract technical position of something, but it's actually not reality. And we have to fight for reality because we love theory. But God's not into theory. He wants to see a church that's built, that's a priesthood, that's been set apart, that loves one another as he loves them, that has mercy, love, grace, because the kingdom is in and coming through. He wants to see the tangible substance of himself in the church. And that's what I'm living for, fighting for, wrestling for, hoping for, believing for, for me and you and everyone that's not here. It's full on. There's nothing casual about following Jesus. Well, there's nothing supposed to be. Let me just read you 1 Corinthians 1.22. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To Jews, this is a stumbling block and to Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 2. For I, this is Paul, determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Why does Paul say that? He knows everything is contained in Christ, Christ crucified. He's not saying I don't know anything more than that. Because the same man wrote in Jesus Christ are all things. But he realizes that if we try and come into Christ and the things in Christ through the flesh then it's a waste of time. You're banging your head against a brick wall your whole life. He knows Christ, Christ crucified is the message. It kills the flesh and it births the spirit. Are we tracking? That's why it's foolishness to the Jew and the Greek. Why? Because the Jew is going, give me signs. I don't want the truth, give me signs. And the Greek goes, I want wisdom. Give me wisdom. He goes, no, no, I'm going to give you what you need, which is Christ, Christ crucified, this message of death to life. That's what you need. And they go, no, no, we're not interested in that. Because that's foolishness and that's a stumbling block. That's right, because it's speaking against your flesh. And Jews and Greeks are living today. Okay, because this is a spiritual fight. This is not a physical fight. This is a spiritual. Those are just mindsets that have been established from the demonic realm, the flesh, that are operating. So we ask for this, and we ask for that, and we ask, and it's all these things that could be the works of Christ. Yes, he did signs, didn't he? He was doing signs. And they're still asking for more. Why? Because they're not in the truth. And he was wisdom. And he was speaking all the time, but they couldn't understand it. So they're asking for stuff. He's saying, I'm being it. You're just not in it. Can you hear the challenge? And there's three positions. One, people ask for signs, not Christ, Christ crucified. Greeks search for wisdom, not Christ, Christ crucified. But we preach Christ crucified, the main thing. And once again, our challenge is, are we a Greek? Are we a Jew? Or are we people that are coming into his way? Because we understand his ways and the commandment of God, why it's the main thing, 
is going to work on our hearts. The spiritual aspect of the commandment. Not ticking boxes. Not trying to make yourself do these things. Not having to, but you've come into a spiritual reality of truth through letting go of you because you're pursuing him and through revelation he's feeding you him which then naturally just like I said at the start moves your hand to let go of the idols turn and start following and his beautiful grace is covering all of us while that work happens yeah that's the purpose of grace grace isn't there so I can just have a free ride Grace, everything God does has a purpose. Like I said, patience, there is a purpose behind this patience. It's called transformation. Why? Because he's invited us to partake. And just because you're washed in his blood does not mean you qualify for what you've been invited for. So we need to get rid of that teaching. Because Paul speaks profusely about sanctification. In fact, we're going to look at that. That says that is the will of God. So you're justified by my blood. Now enter into sanctification, which is my will, because through sanctification, it's your preparation for the future eternal purpose, which it's always been about. Because we don't see from divine perspective, and we put our glasses on, we look from an earthly perspective, read the book, come out with our own solution, and then speak it. Everyone buys into it, and we're not necessarily in the life, though. Am I speaking a real position? But you know what we do? We love to pat ourselves on the back and say we're doing so well because we have great meetings, and we can get a crowd, but... Actually, the measuring stick's not a crowd. The measuring stick is love. The measuring stick is joy, peace, power, resurrected, indestructible life in our hearts and minds. Not whether I can gather a crowd. I can do that easy through my sales gift and my charisma and my all that stuff. I can sell you anything. <laughs> I wish I hadn't said that, eh? But here's the thing. Jesus is coming back on the horse. <laughs> Cowboys ride horses. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Father, revelation. Revelation. See, here's the thing. She has to live with me. <laughs> Look at that. What the privilege she gets to live with me, eh? For this reason. For this reason. No, 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 no. I, I am the greatest grace giver. My, anyway, let's move on. When we don't make the main thing the main thing, and when we get distracted with all the works and stuff, please hear me, I am into works. But once again, come from this position of being initiated by the Father because I'm in relationship with the Father and He tells me what are the things and I do those things because those are the things with power behind them. Okay, But when we get distracted from the main thing, which is our relationship with Christ, we get led off highway number one and other things become the centerpiece. Other things, we actually start getting led astray. 
without ever realizing it, and other things start to come and live in our heart. And they come and make their home in our heart. And they set up camp in our heart. And all of a sudden, the one that says, I'm to be at the center of your heart, no longer is the center, and something else or other things are. And he gets relegated down the pecking order to where he's now out the door. But he says, I knock on the door of your heart. Why is he saying that to the church? Thank you. No, no, he's in me. Well, then if he's in you and he's growing, how come we don't look like that? See this tension? Once again, all I want to say is this. It's the reality. He died for a reality. He talks in absolutes. He doesn't talk in abstract stuff. We do. He talks in reality. So we are to be experiencing the truth. Let me just say this. We don't keep the main thing the main thing. We get distracted and sideswiped and eventually led astray, and other things become the main thing. Other things, good things, come in and take the first place position in our hearts. This is how idolatry starts. What does Galatians say? That those who practice idolatry will what? Not inherit the kingdom of God. But we don't practice idolatry. I don't worship Buddha. I don't set up a shrine in my house. I don't worship idols made in the image of a God. Do you? What's idolatry? What is an idol? Thank you. Anything that comes in and takes its place in our lives that we spend more time, investment, loving, focus, resource on. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11, 1 to 6. He says this, I wish that you would be with me in a little foolishness. I'm asking the same thing. But indeed you are bearing with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one Husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. You ready for this in verse 3? But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. For I consider myself not in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles, but even if I am unskilled in speech, yet I am not so in knowledge. In fact, in every way we have made this evident to you in all things. So the man is living a reality and he says, you know what? I'm going to compare something with something. I'm going to compare the fall of mankind to you guys being led astray. From what? From the simplicity of the purity of a relationship with Jesus Christ that is birthing you life. 
does it get any more serious than comparing it to the fall of mankind? So the man is being something. He's serious when he's teaching this, when he's writing this to the Corinthians. His heart, he's saying, I hope you can put up with my foolishness. Some of you might think I'm an idiot. Some of you might think I'm full of it. In fact, that's what he writes. He says, some thought I was a deceiver. But this is the man that God chose to build a big part of his kingdom through. And he's saying, I'm comparing something with something else and I'm afraid. In fact, I'm horrified that you guys have been led astray from this relationship which births life. What for? For something that's good. See, the wine is good. The old wine is good. It's just not God. What does it say? They love the old wine because it's good. It's not bad. If it was bad, we'd get it. But because it's good, we don't get it because we can't see it. And so we look at things through our lens and we get led astray. And all of a sudden we start worshipping our kids and our wives and our husbands and our money and our jobs and our sport and everything else. And somehow God is left behind somewhere and yet it's the commandment to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Why? Because God wants to get us into the life that he died for, but it's found in the commandment, not in the commission or other people. And it's so subtle it happens and you don't even know it's happening. And then you say, surely this is the will of God. For me to love my child like that and to love my, my, you know, my spouse and all that. No, it's not. It's not. Hear that tonight. It is not. Jesus said the will of God is to do His will. Number one, priority, love me. Why? Because as you love me on a spiritual journey of that me outworking you, you're going to be able to love all people. Not your physical, all people, my family. What would the church look like if the church was in this reality, loving one another as Jesus loves you and I? A love that's patient, kind, gentle, believes all things, holds no wrongs, is not jealous, does not fight for position, but serves. We've got to fight for the truth that is here Otherwise, we may as well go home. I'm not playing games. So I resign the day I'm playing games. Because it's too much at stake. And yet, at the same time, we have to rest in that. That's an oxymoron, isn't it? How do you be active and rest? Do you know how? Through knowing Him. If you know Him, you'll know how to live that out. Because he forms it in you. And this is the challenge. And Paul is saying something. It's very, very powerful. And Jesus died that we would be. Just come with me to another scripture, 1 Corinthians 7. How do you think his mum and his brothers felt when he said, you know what? My brothers and sisters are those who do my will. See, that truth can repel you or attract you. Do you know what he's saying? He's calling something, isn't he? He's making a statement. He's saying it as it is from his perspective. They're not my mother. They're not my brothers. My family are the ones of the spirit who are doing my will. I'm from another realm. You guys are from earth. I'm from heaven. 
I'm from a completely different culture and value system to you. Even though you've come from me, the fall really messed you all up. It's not a little thing, the fall. It separated you and I from him in every way. It's not just, oh, you're the fall of God. Oh, yeah, whatever. Jesus came. No, 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 no. Jesus leaves perfection, love personified to come to a stinking, rotten people that don't even want him. And he still loves us, the Bible says, before you even knew you were like this. Why? To bring us back from the stinking hellhole that we're in and our thinking and actually bring us into his realm. The way he thinks, the way he lives. Why? Because it bursts freedom and life and joy and peace. The life I came to give. A life of abundance. So you keep the main thing, the main thing, and you're in this life I'm talking about. Guaranteed. I need a breath. This, oh no, I'm going to read it real fast, okay? 1 Corinthians 7.25 Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. I think then that this is good in view of present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. That's an interesting position, isn't it? Why aren't you married? What's wrong with you? Oh, I read scriptures and Paul said it's better not to get married. And I, I just read the truth and I believe the truth. So why are you pressuring me into something that is not bad, but he actually says something else? Maybe I don't want to be. Maybe I don't want all the hassle. <laughs> I don't want all the pain, the heartache. The, the, the distraction, that's what we're going to look at. That's where he ends up. See, with all this stuff comes a whole lot of stuff that keeps you bound up. There's nothing wrong with it, but if you're not actively following the main thing, the main thing, you get sucked up in it. And all of a sudden, the main thing and the main thing is right over there, and now you're so consumed with your wife, your husband, your kids, the sport, the money, the house, the this, the that, the this. It's like... This fellow's asking me to lay down my life. What's he talking about? Does he not know my situation? I'm so busy, I don't have time to breathe. No, because you're consumed with you, because you haven't allowed the great commandment to kill you yet. So the reason why you've got all these idols is because you're still living. Rich young ruler. I know this is full on. I know this is hard. This is Mike Tyson. I think so anyway. But I'm trying to waken us up to something that's for us. So please hear my heart is love. It's love that actually has me saying this stuff. Because I understand the persecution that can come from saying this stuff. And I come here and I'm the only one here next week because you went, him. (laughs) And I'm having a good time preaching to nobody. It won't be me next week anyway, it's Mel. Hear what I'm saying? Sorry Mel. (laughs) I ruined it for you. (laughs) So then he goes on. He says this. Are you bound to a wife? Now, once again, here in the spirit. Do Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. 
And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life. And I'm trying to spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened so that from now on those who have wives should not as the, should be as though they had none. He's not saying get divorced. Okay? And those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, and those who buy as though they did not possess. That's interesting, isn't it? Right? Do we want to possess stuff? Hold it. Money. I said this in Cambodia. How free are you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, let's get out everyone's money and give it away. <laughs> oh, we're real free in this house, aren't we? Because eh? whose money is it? So why am I holding God's money like this when I'm free? I am free to run, just don't ask for the money. And I am free to dance, just don't ask for anything, Lord. <laughs> so he's communicating something. If you're this, if you're that, but love us if you're not. Why? Because he's going to tell us. So let's keep going. Uh, not with your position in the world as though they do not. As though they do not. For the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be free from concern. Mate. One who is unmarried is is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord. That she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world. How she may please her husband. This I say for your own benefit. Not to put a restraint upon you. But to promote what is appropriate. And to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Why? Because he knows if you're in undistracted devotion to the Lord, you're in freedom and you're in life. Like I said to you this morning, Jesus says, does, is everything to keep us in freedom. He is not a killjoy. He's not trying to ruin our fun. He's not trying to stop us from X, Y, and Z. He sees the whole picture. He knows mankind. So he sets it up to keep us in freedom. Amen. Everything he does is because he loves us. But we fight him and go, no, no, it's all good. And all of a sudden we can maybe find ourselves in something that we didn't enter into and didn't even know was going to happen, but now it is. And now you've got to work backwards. But now you've built your own empire and it's so huge. How am I going to let go? I need these people. I now need my wife. I now need my kids. I now need money. Why? Because my identity is not in Christ. It's in those things. And if you take them off me, I don't know who I am. So I'm not giving those things. Works, purpose, identity. So many Christians find their identity in the works they do for Jesus. That's why when you say it's time for that work to stop, they manifest. What do you mean? No more men's ministry. Ah! Women's ministry. Ah! Whoa! 
It was just the ministry. Just the thing we did. I'm not taking Jesus off you. Why are you acting like I am? Because my identity is in it. And I haven't got a clue who I am outside of it. So if you take me, I'm lost. Great, because then you're going to come into Jesus. And then you're going to know who you really are. Why? Because God loves you. My message this morning. That's why he's chasing everybody going, let me shine into that place. Let me shine into that. Let me shine. Why? But we're running away. Because we've put our hope in stuff that's not necessarily him. It has his name wrapped around it, but it ain't him. In the name of Jesus, I do this, this, this. Really? Is that blasphemy? To use his name, to do your will in his name? Lord, Lord, we did. In your name. I've got a clue who you are. Oops. (laughs) I don't want to. Oops. I'm confidently awaiting his return. And I'm living this out because I know I'm in something that's him. The main thing, the main thing. And I can't wait for him to be back. I can't wait to go with him. But while I'm here, I'm living his will out because I've seen it, know it, been screaming it for six years here. We probably don't have time. So maybe I'll do next, I don't know, me and Mel will talk. In, in, in those thing you've got is his will. So in this is the will of God for you and I. But what we need is spiritual eyes to see it. Because I can teach it and I can share it but until it's revealed in you it stays out here. And here's the thing you won't you'll you'll hear it numerous times but not hear it and then it's like you hear it and you think nobody knows it and then you tell everybody and those people have been telling you for six years but you haven't had ears to hear it that's why Jesus continually preached this the kingdoms like this 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 this, this, that's why I'm banging on. We are banging on. Know him, 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 know him. Man, when are you going to change that record? I'm not. Know him, know him, know him, know him, know him. Because until you're able to say this, my life is but rubbish, there's a knowing to come into. Why? Because all the hidden treasures and wisdom and knowledge are found where? In the mystery. Who's the mystery? Jesus Christ. On Jesus Christ, I build my church. Christ in me is the hope of... Why do you think we keep in the main thing the main thing? Because it is the main thing. And if we're in the main thing, we're in life. So it's a wrestle, isn't it? Because we have been taught stuff that is man's version of him. I put my hand up and say, I have done it. Not intentionally, but I repented of it here about five years ago and broke down. If you were here, that's what was going on. I wasn't repenting of porn. I was repenting that I'd actually said things that were not of him, that I thought were of him, I thought were his ways, and the conviction of it broke me. 
And I have committed this, and you've heard me say this, is I will not speak anything to this day because he revealed this that is not living. Because it's the only thing that I know is of him. And that's the only thing I will share with you. You have my word on that. Because it's so much more serious than what I ever, ever thought. Amen. So Father, um, as we just maybe answer one of the questions on the page, Lord, I pray you'd reveal what's been shared tonight. I pray we would aggressively in spirit go after what we've heard. I pray, Lord, that we would be so desperately hungry for you and your way that everything else would just fall away and we would want to be addicted and consumed in you. Father, you have so much in store for us to change us now, to see us shine, to see your name glorified, to see your kingdom be formed and established in our hearts and minds. And you are very aggressive in bringing it. Your son was murdered for the reality of truth. He allowed himself to be persecuted and destroyed, but he knew he was going to rise again. That this living, breathing word would be heard today. And that we can be the recipients of your life, the resurrected life of Christ that holds no bounds It is indestructible. Death cannot hold it down. It is free from this earth and all its ways. And it has its heart and its mind and its culture and its value systems in an eternal place, not a temporal place. And it lives from there while here on holiday on the earth. And so, Father, bring us into this dynamic living relationship with you that all the things that you have prepared will flow from this position. We would stop chasing the signs. We would stop chasing wisdom. We would stop chasing all the things that maybe come from you but are not you in the fullness of the substance of you. And as we find you, all those things will naturally flow out of the church that knows the main thing is the main thing. And so we put and say, renew our minds through the power of your Spirit. May we not think more highly of ourselves. May we not think we have it all down pat. And Father, may your measuring stick of fruit of the Spirit be the thing that we actually judge ourselves by and not our own pride, our ego, or what we think we're in. Love, joy, peace, patience, freedom, rest, Because these are the things you promise us that are in you. And I and we do not want to come short of these things, Father. And so I pray your grace, your truth, your power and your mercy be in us, upon us, changing us. And we ask these things by the faith in the one we love and the one that we're called to serve and lay our lives down for and love, Jesus Christ.